Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Roll the Quadcast, a Blogger So Dear podcast where little old Charlie Brown is still trying to kick that football. Blogger So Dear is the go-to website for the best independent analysis of Wake Forest athletics. Welcome to another edition of Roll the Quadcast. This is Riley Johnston, and we are glad to be back with you here. It's been about a year and a half layoff, I believe, but, well, Wake Forest finally has something worth talking about. So I am joined today by Bart Johnston, and uh, he's right on the other end of the phone here. So let's go ahead and say hey to him. How's it going, Riley? Am I coming through loud and clear? Yep, everything sounds great. And uh, just to uh, let everybody know, I am Riley from Winston-Salem, North Carolina here, and Bart is up in Boston. So uh, any technological issues, we will work through pretty quickly. But uh, since it's the first time in a while, we'll do our best here. Um, I guess we can go ahead and get get started talking about the Wake Forest-Pittsburgh game last night. Uh, we got down early, down 36-17, to 17, uh, but we managed to come back and get that win. In my mind, it was a must-win. And despite how bad we looked, how bad Pitt looked, how bad the referees looked, uh, we came through. What were your thoughts about the game uh, last night, Bart? Well, it was definitely a roller coaster game. I don't know if there's any other way to describe it other than that. Uh, the first half was pretty disappointing, I think, by any objective standard, if you're a Wake Forest fan, that is. Um, dropping down 36 to 17 with about three minutes left in the first half is never good. But, you know, I was optimistic throughout the game that we were going to get back in it. I didn't think Pittsburgh uh, really uh, matched up too well against Wake, and they didn't have an answer for John Collins. And once their shot stopped falling on the uh, offensive side in the second half, and I think a lot of that was due to Wake's defensive effort. I think the intensity stepped up, and I think that we uh, started playing some really good defense and focusing on getting stops, which led to some baskets on the other end. And uh, even though there was some some tough guard play at times from Wake, and it it was a little frustrating on that end, uh, I think that we really stepped up and got it done. I think Childress, Crawford, and Collins really, really did a great job. And uh, I think Wake deserved the win. It was good to be on the the good side of a massive comeback since we're used to being the the victim of those comebacks after we jumped out to a big lead. Uh, what, What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of those points. And if you had played out the game a thousand times, then I would never have thought that our defense would have stopped Pittsburgh's offense, and that would have led us to win the game. I believe the stat was they made uh, one of their final 17 or 18 field goal attempts. So they made one field goal attempt from the final 16 minutes on. The rest were all free throws or missed shots. So that's uh, that's how you win games. Uh, we wound up winning 63-59. to 59. Uh, They scored 23 points in the second half and only 12 points over the final 10 minutes. That's uh, that's pretty pretty good basketball there. And, and we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the play of, of John Collins, who got his, I believe, fourth straight MVP, according to KenPomeroy.com. Um, even though he just fell out of the Ken Palm uh, top 10 player of the year, he's still right there. And uh, – darting up the draft boards pretty highly. What are your thoughts on John Collins' play and how he's uh, handled the different ways that he's been defended the last couple of weeks? Well, first and foremost, I have to admit that I am a full-fledged member of the John Collins fan club. I would imagine that any Wake Forest basketball fan is at this point. Um, his play in the last six weeks or so, as we got into the bulk of conference play, has been uh, nothing short of magnificent and spectacular. He is averaging 24 points and 11 rebounds, 
over those the last 11 contests, he's doing so while other teams are knowing that he is the first and best option that uh, Wake has on offense. And he, as you mentioned, is doing it against a variety of schemes. Uh, something last night I, I saw that Pittsburgh was doing that teams I think are, are starting to step up a lot on is they're fronting him in the post just so he can't get the ball. Because once he gets the ball, it's basically game over down low. He's got great hands, and he's got great back-to-the-basket moves. Um, I specifically recall one play last night where the ball got thrown in over the top, and as soon as the ball went up in the air, you could hear from an on-court microphone somebody yelling, help, help. And that kind of summed up defense's uh, problem with Collins. Once the ball gets in anywhere near him, they need help. And uh, you don't really need to play it out. But after he screamed out help, Collins grabbed the ball, turned around, and laid it in, even when the double team came over. Um, so I think that basically sums up defense uh, when Collins has help. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with that. And uh, we do like advanced metrics here. So let me throw a couple of things out there. He is being used on 30.3% uh, percent of possessions. So basically that's his usage rate, meaning that he, he either makes a shot, misses a shot, or turns it over on 30% of the possession when he is on the court, which is a very high usage rate. That's the 43rd most in the country, and that includes everybody. Um, and he, at about 30% usage rate, he's produced a 122 offensive rating, which is the best in the country. Country, uh, for anybody with a 28% usage rate or higher. So, and I do not believe that is a opponent the schedule adjusted. And most of the people around him are mid-major guys too. So that doesn't denigrate them. But but what John Collins is doing on a usage and efficiency uh, standpoint this year is, is simply unbelievable. Um, and he is uh, in the top 20 right now of most draft boards, and he will almost certainly declare for the draft. Whether or not he stays there will probably depend on the feedback that he gets, but it, it's hard to think that that he would do anything other than go to the NBA and take the money, especially when you consider his age, potential, and all that. So that's probably a conversation for another day, but obviously we're going to enjoy him as long as we can here. Um, so obviously the main thing to focus on now, the win last night kept – Wake Forest alive and in the fight to make the NCAA tournament. So if we lost that game, it would have effectively been over because we couldn't afford to do that. Uh, the Deeks now sit at 16 and 12, 7 and 9 in the ACC, uh, and they probably need to get at least one win over their last two games. We have a week break now before Louisville next Wednesday, and then we travel to Virginia Tech next Saturday. Um, Wake Forest needs to get one of those two wins, or they need to probably make at least the semifinals of the ACC tournament. Uh, how would you round up and kind of recap the bubble right now as you see it across the nation? And where does Wake Forest fit into that? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, I think that something that needs to be discussed, uh, you know, frequenting some message boards, frequenting uh, bloggers over your comments, is there's every now and then somebody pops in and says, you know, Wake is 16 and 12, Wake already has what, nine conference losses, there's no way Wake is on the bubble. Well, let, let's dispel with that fiction because Wake is squarely on the bubble. Um, uh, barring any random or unforeseen circumstances down the stretch, and I'm talking uh, playing Boston College and, and getting blown out by 20 in the ACC tournament, Wake is either going to be one of the teams, last teams into the tournament or one of the first teams out of the tournament and likely will get a, a, a top seed in the NIT. So the, the world that we're living in right now is a world where Wake is squarely on the bubble. Uh, moving on from that, I think it's important to remember that the bubble, unlike some other um, tournaments that NCAA hockey comes to mind, is, is a subjective selection. So I think everybody, every basketball fan probably knows that. 
but it is inherently subjective in that there is a man-made and human committee who selects the teams. Um, the conference winners get in automatically, and then everybody else is filled in with um, at-large selection. And so each year the committee kind of changes what their focus is, but you don't know what the focus is until they tell you about it after they pick. So anybody who claims to know exactly what the committee is thinking is, 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 is lying to you. Um, but with that in mind, I think the uh, one thing to keep in mind is that since 68 teams make the tournament every single year, uh, it, it's just somebody has to go. Somebody has to be those last few bubble teams that make it in. And so one critical thing if you're a Wake fan or a fan of a bubble team down the stretch is you want teams who are on top of their conference in these mid-majors and are, could potentially get a bid anyway. And the ones that I'm predominantly thinking of right now are the Gonzagas, the St. Mary's, and to a lesser extent, and I think somebody you want to pull more for if you're a Wake fan, the middle Tennessee states of the world, where um, Gonzaga is going to make the tournament no matter what. So if they don't win the West, the West Coast Conference and a team like Pepperdine does, then that removes the spot from the bubble for a team like Wake. Um, on a closer note, middle Tennessee state is right on the bubble, period, but they're also leading Conference USA. And so Wake fans want middle Tennessee state to go ahead and win the Conference USA tournament so that a spot doesn't fall off the bubble. Um, I, I think Wake is right there on the bubble, and I think that uh, we'll talk about some teams here shortly um, that Wake stacks up against. But the question is, is Wake better than these teams resume-wise, and has Wake uh, shown that they are better over the course of the season than these teams? Right, and I think that's a very good summary of, of where we stand now. Um, kind of to shrink that down, Wake Forest is either going to be the first one of the first four teams in or one of the first four teams out. If Wake Forest makes the NIT for whatever reason, they will be a favorite to win the NIT and most likely go to Madison Square Garden and have a chance to bring down that banner. If Wake Forest makes the tournament as an 11 or 12 seed, they have an excellent chance if they – they will be favored in Dayton if they wind up there, which is a very realistic place that we could be on that Tuesday night. And if we win that game, then we have a very good chance to win the first round game against the five, six, seven seed, wherever we will be placed. Um, this is a dangerous team. We're ranked 33rd in Kempom, and we match up very well with our backcourt and one of the top players in the nation, John Collins. Um, kind of going over the way resume here, the biggest issue is the lack of good wins. Uh, we, we don't really have any. We have one RPI top 50 win, and it's against Miami. Uh, so we're 1-10, in 10, and the other other wins have all come against teams that are ranked between either 51st and 100th in the RPI in Kempom or worse than that. But the flip side of that is we don't have any bad losses either. Literally every single one of our losses has been to a top 45 Kempom team. The worst loss is either Syracuse on the road, which is where Duke just lost last night, or Clemson at home, which we all know was not the best loss because we were up 15 late. So with that in mind, let's go over some teams here. All these teams that we're about to discuss are listed by the, the BracketMatrix.com. You can go to BracketMatrix.com and take a look at it. Um, they rank every team. It conglomerates, I believe, 115 brackets from around the Internet. Um, and there, there's a lot of wisdom of the crowds, the theory that, you know, if you get enough input from people that are intelligent and experts, then you will get a good feel for where that team will rank. That's better than looking at Lenardi or Palm or any specific one. While those guys may have a little bit more inside knowledge as to what the committee's thinking, 
Wisdom of the Crowds usually wins out in these types of situations. And I want to plug a little bit. Uh, the, the work that Stans has been doing with the bracketology stuff on Blogger So Dear is fantastic. Uh, he's been updating twice a week, once after the weekend, one right before the weekend, as to where Wake Forest stands. And it uh, serves as a bit of a rooting guide. So if you like Wake Forest, and if you're listening to this, clearly you do, because why else would you be listening to this? you got to read those articles. It, it spells out perfectly who you need to pull for and at what time. So with that in mind, all these teams that we're about to discuss and buy or sell are teams that you want to pull against over the next week and a half. You don't want these teams to win, and on the off chance that they play each other, uh, you, you want them to both look pretty damn bad doing it too. So without further ado, let's take a look first at Kansas State, Bart. They are ranked 10th in the bracket matrix, but they are clearly trending downwards in my opinion. What do you have? What do you think about Kansas State, their chances of making the bubble, and tie that back into Wake Forest and what we want to see from them uh, the next couple weeks here? Yeah, Kansas State um, has been a kind of an interesting team this year. They started the year around 40th in Ken Palm, and they're up to 30th in Ken Palm right now. So they stayed roughly in the same spot all year. Um, just from glancing at the team, it doesn't look like they have any bad losses. They uh, they played a horrific non-conference schedule and jumped out to a 12-1 uh, and one start to the year before they got into Big 12 play. And something I think is important to point out is that the Big 12 – like the ACC this year, is, is just absolutely brutal. I think the Big 12 is actually ranked ahead of the ACC on Ken Palm. Now, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they don't have any really bad teams in the conference, whereas we have both D.C. and NC State who are outside the top 100. Um, but playing in the Big 12 through the ring are just like Wake fans, you know, playing in the ACC is. So it's not any shame that they've lost nine games in the Big 12, but what their issue is is that they have lost seven of their last nine games now after starting four and three, and they sit at six and nine in the conference with 17 wins overall and have lost also four of their last five. So they've got three games left, including a, a, one against um, Oklahoma on the road. Oklahoma is probably the worst team in the, uh, in the conference. But I, I think a team like Kansas State, if they can get one or two more wins the rest of the year, I think they're probably going to be in, barring an ugly performance in the Big 12. I think Kansas State is a team – that you're, you don't mind necessarily taking care of business um, the rest of the year if you're a Wake fan. They've got a game against TCU and Texas Tech left. If Kansas State just knocks off both of those, I think that's actually more helpful from Wake's perspective than, uh, than Kansas State losing and bringing anybody else back onto the bubble or enhancing TCU's resume. So I'm buying Kansas State in the, in the field, and I think Wake fans should buy them because of who they have left on their schedule. Uh, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Kansas State's schedule works out pretty well. And, and to segue into the next team, TCU literally has the same record. I believe they're 17-11, 6-9. Uh, and they are also trending downwards, though. They've lost four in games in a row, and it doesn't get any easier. They travel or they play West Virginia, and they actually have Kansas State. So one of these teams is going to have another loss for the rest of the year. So that kind of plays into it as well. That TCU-Kansas State game next Wednesday is going to be a uh, be a big one. Uh, I think Kansas State's probably still safely in. I don't know about TCU. They don't. They have a couple. It looks like three Kim Pom top. 50 wins, but they've also got some not great losses either. Um, I mean, once again, they lost to Auburn in the the Big 12 SEC Challenge, and other than that, most of them actually are pretty pretty decent. Because, like you said, the Big 12 and the ACC are very very good good conferences. Um, if I had to buy one team out of these two, I would buy Kansas State, and I'd probably 
sell TCU. I think they will fall out. Um, they're going to be very dependent uh, on what the rest of the bubble teams do. And Wake Forest is one of those teams that they're competing against. So if we had to pick a team out of these two to pull for when they play, I'd probably just guess Kansas State because TCU is more likely to lose uh, two out of their next three than Kansas State is. Um, so that's just my guess on that. Um, moving to kind of a, a dual package here of uh, Missouri Valley Conference teams, Illinois State and Wichita State are both pretty squarely on the bubble. Wichita State, I believe, is maybe a nine seed in the bracket matrix, uh, 10 seed. They're the first 10 seed. So they're probably a little safer in there. Illinois State is one of the last teams in, and they, they haven't been playing very well lately. Uh, they almost lost to Loyola. They almost lost again last night, which would have ended their tournament bid. Well, can you break down the uh, Mountain Valley Conference uh, dichotomy there and, and what we need to look at there? Yeah, the uh, the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, just to correct there, I think the, uh, 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 my apologies. <laughs> I, I think that the uh, MVC is is sort of a fascinating case study. It's not a bad conference overall. Uh, I, I don't think they really have any bad teams other than I think Drake and Bradley are pretty bad. Um, but as far as the top of the conference goes, Illinois State and Wichita State are both pretty solid teams. Um, on Kim Palm, Wichita State is twelfth, um, which is is very, very good. If they don't make the tournament, they would be, and they stay where they are now, they would be the best team in Ken Palm history back to 2002 to miss out on the tournament. Um, If you're a Wake fan, you want Wichita State to win out. You want Wichita State to take care of business against Missouri State this week, and I think you want Wichita State to just run the table in the MVC, A, because then it decreases the likelihood that a non-Illinois State, Wichita State team wins and takes away a uh, tournament bid, but also I think that Wichita State has a better shot than Illinois State to get in, so if Wichita State can hand Illinois State one more loss, then that's perfect. And I'll also say that in the event that Wake and Wichita both find their way into the tournament, I want absolutely no part of Wichita State. They haven't really played uh, too many great teams this year. When they have played them, they've lost, but if you look at their four losses, they're to Louisville by 10 points, to Michigan State by five points, to Oklahoma State by 17 at home, that's not a great loss, and then to Illinois State on the road by 14. Um, they also only have one loss this in this uh, year since January 1st, and they're just destroying competition in the MDC right now. And I think Wichita State is going to continue this role, and I think they're going to win and get the automatic bid. But if you're awake, you want Wichita State to get that automatic bid. Yeah, and, and I definitely agree with that. Uh, I think Wichita State is by far the better team. They beat uh, they beat Illinois State by 41 points uh, <laughs> on their home court back on February 4th. It was at Wichita State, um, and they lost to Illinois State by 14 over the first uh, first part of January. But Wichita State is a much better team than Illinois State, in my opinion. So not all 16-1 teams are created equally, even in the Missouri Valley Conference, which I do know the title of. Um, and in this case, I, I watched a little bit of the Illinois State-Loyola game on Sunday. And Loyola-Chicago is a pretty decent team, too, from a mid-major standpoint. Uh, and they play kind of a junk 1-3-1 zone. So it's kind of interesting to watch. And there's no doubt Illinois State has a lot of athletes. They're undersized uh, from what you would expect a, a team to look like in the NCAA tournament. They're pretty good by mid-major standpoint, um, and they've got some scores. But overall, they, they can't afford another loss. Uh, they, they can't uh, – they, 
the only loss they can have is Wichita State in the final of the Missouri Valley Conference. That, that's it. If they lose any other game at any other point, then I just don't see them making the tournament. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I think that's absolutely fair. And I think if, if, if push comes to shove, Wake fans want either Wichita or Illinois State to win the MVC. We would prefer Wichita. And whichever team does not win, we want to get upset. Uh, if, if, if Wichita State dominates in the quarterfinals and Illinois State hasn't played yet, we should be pulling against Illinois State uh, until they lose. I mean, I, I think Wichita State's going to get in regardless. I really do. And I think they deserve to be in. I think that they were unfortunate that a lot of their big-time games, as it happens in these conferences a lot, happened early in the season. They've improved as the year has gone on. And I think they're going to be uh, a terror in the NCAA tournament if they do happen to get in. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. And it's the same thing that happened last year where they got in, I believe, as an 11 seed, but they are ranked in the top 15 of Kempom. So they beat Vanderbilt, upset Arizona, almost beat Miami. So I, I could see that happening again this year. So uh, long, how that ties back to Wake, pull against Illinois State. One loss pretty much kills them if it's not Wichita State in the NBC final. Go ahead and pull for Wichita State. Uh, they're they're going to – take a bid anyway hope they win the MBC and maybe that becomes a one bid league um switching up gears a little bit here we'll, we'll get to the ACC teams in just a second because that we can kind of break that apart let's touch on a couple of other teams um first of all let's look at Providence they had a huge come from behind victory last night to pretty much keep their hopes alive and effectively flip them to probably in possibly in what can you tell me about Providence yeah, I think Providence is an interesting team. They, I don't know if they were off the bubble uh, before the Creighton game, but they certainly would have seen their hopes damaged if they had uh, ended up losing. And they found themselves sort of in a similar hole to Wake, and they were down by 13 or 15 towards the end of the first half. I think I saw that uh, on Ken Palm, the win probability chances were at like 95 96% for Creighton at one point. Um, but Providence ended up bouncing back and getting the win. I, I'm not really sure what to make of the Big East. Um, I think they have some good teams. I also think that um, a team like Providence has has done a good job managing uh, their schedule throughout the conference year, and they've come on strong lately. Their last three games, they uh, won at home against Butler and Xavier. Butler just completed, I believe, a season sweep against Villanova by knocking them off uh, in, in Philly last night. And the, the comeback against Creighton last night really kept them alive. And I think if the season ended right now, I, Providence is – probably flirting with, uh, with – I think they're probably in the tournament if in it right now. I think Wake fans would like to see Providence uh, get upset. They have the Paul left, which they should win there at home, and then they also play Marquette in a big uh, bubble game on Saturday. That's a marquee game to watch. And then they play at St. John's. If, if you're a Wake fan, you want DePaul or St. John's to knock off Providence and, uh, and maybe knock them down behind Wake. I think Providence is in if the season ends right now. Yeah, and it's kind of unfortunate for Wake fans on multiple levels. So Wake played Xavier very close early in the year. Uh, they lost their point guard, Edward Sumner, to an ACL injury right before uh, Xavier was about to take on the heart of their uh, Big East schedule. I think it's been about six games now. They managed to win their first three, but they dropped their last three. And uh, they, they lost games to Seton Hall, Marquette, and, and I believe they also lost to Providence. So, uh, yeah, Seton Hall, Marquette, and Providence were their last three losses. If Xavier wins any of those three, then it in theory keeps one of those teams from getting on the bubble. As is, not only does it keep those three teams on slash in, it hurts Wake's RPI because we continue to drop, um, whereas we would have stayed level or maybe moved up a little if they kept 
beating teams like us uh, um, in that sense. So it's a tough break, but but it is what it is. All three of those games are on the road for Xavier. I, I think it's hard to pull against Providence. They have Jeff Battle, former Wake Forest assist, people would uh, remember there. Uh, but we got to pull against them. Uh, they, they need to lose. And if the tournament ended now or the season ended now, I believe they will be in. Um, so from there, let, let's jump right into the ACC here. There are three other teams that are kind of around us. Um, we got Syracuse, who beat Duke last night, Georgia Tech, who slipped up to state at home, which is a big loss, and we've got Clemson. Uh, Pitt has been eliminated effectively last night. Clemson is on the fringe of being eliminated. They have, I believe, 11 conference losses, uh, so the best they can finish is 7-11. and 11. Can you kind of summarize what overall you think is going to happen in the ACC and uh, who's going to – get in, who's going to get out, who are we bowling for? I think that ultimately it breaks down with Wake, Clemson, Georgia Tech, and Syracuse. And uh, Georgia Tech and Syracuse are somewhat similar resume-wise, and Clemson and Wake are somewhat similar. Wake and Clemson haven't really lost to any bad teams, but they also haven't really beaten anybody. Uh, Clemson's best win is over South Carolina, but I believe that game was without South Carolina's best player, uh, Cendarius or whatever his name is. Um, he was uh, suspended for uh, violation of team rules. Yes, I think he missed six games around the uh, end of the non-conference beginning of SEC play or something. Uh, and then Wake, uh, unfortunately, was swept by Clemson, which is bad for Wake, but good for Clemson and that were half their wins, and Wake is 33rd in Ken Palm. And so their best win, as it seems like a lot of SEC bubble teams are, is over South Carolina. But when you look at Wake, and Wake's best win is over Miami, um, who is one spot apart from South Carolina. They're 29 and 28. Miami is slightly better um, in Ken Palm. But with no bad losses either, both Wake and Clemson have kind of played to their position in Ken Palm in the mid-30s. They're both solid teams, and they've just both failed to capitalize in very close games against a little bit better competition. Um, on the flip side, you've got Georgia Tech and you've got Syracuse, who despite the fact that they both have some bad losses, uh, have also gotten some really good wins. As you mentioned, Syracuse knocked off Duke last night at home. Syracuse also suffered some, some, I guess, head-scratching games early in the season. They lost to South Carolina on a neutral side. That's not too bad a loss. But then they also lost to Connecticut on a neutral side. They lost to Georgetown at home. They lost to St. John's at home. And then they lost to Boston College on the road. I mean, those are, those are four losses right there that are worse than Wake's worst loss by a solid, but. 20 or 30 spots in Kimpon. Um, I mean, that loss to Boston College by 15 is is inexplicable. And so that's something that if Syracuse starts losing um, down the stretch, they've still got a game against Louisville on the road on Sunday. That's a tough matchup. And then they play Georgia Tech in what I think is an ultimate bubble burst for one of those two teams. Syracuse just lost to Georgia Tech last week in, in Atlanta, and now they get them back in the carrier down. Um, I, I think Syracuse is more likely of – the four to get into the tournament right now. If the season ended right now, I think Syracuse is in. I think, um, and I'll, I know we we're running a little short on time, but I'll, Georgia, Georgia Tech's resume and record is mind-blowing to me. Um, they played an obscenely easy non-conference schedule. They played five top 100 teams, and they lost to four of them. And, I mean, they lost to Ohio, Penn State, and then Tennessee and Georgia, which are fine losses. And then once conference season rolled around, they upset North Carolina, they, uh, they beat Clemson. They beat Florida State and Notre Dame. Those are all fantastic wins. Those are all wins better than Wake has. Um, so they've got great wins, and they also just have terrible losses. But I will say, I think Georgia Tech's going to resolve themselves. I think they're going to lose two of their last three. 
And I, I don't think Georgia Tech is really that good either. Um, I think Georgia Tech is out. I can't believe Clemson is really still in the bubble. I think they're a good team. I think they're going to play themselves out. And I think Syracuse is in. What do you think? Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Uh, Syracuse beating Duke last night, they dropped that, and it would have been an interesting – there could be a case made for pulling against them as it moves forward. Um, I think Clemson at 11 conference losses, and I know the committee says they don't care about conference win-loss record, but, I mean, the best they can do is 7-11. and 11, And, I mean, they've got Florida State, NC State, and Boston College at home. Uh, State showed that they obviously have the talent to beat teams of that caliber since they won on the road against Georgia Tech. If they lose to Florida State, a team's not getting in with a 6-12 and 12 conference record. That's just the reality of the situation. I think Syracuse is safely in, so we can go ahead and pull, against, pull for them to knock off Georgia Tech next week uh, up there when they have that return battle. They came back and almost beat down in Atlanta. So, I think safely Syracuse will probably sneak in, and I know they're not supposed to look at coaches and teams and all that stuff, but uh, they snuck in last year and made the Final Four. You can't really discredit that. So kind of a uh, too-long-didn't-listen uh, overview. Wake Forest is squarely on the bubble. They're, they've got a lot of chances ahead of them here. It, it's dwindled down. We haven't converted yet. If Wake meets Louisville next week, we are in really, really good shape. Uh, if I had to summarize, I would say Wake needs three wins the rest of the season, however they come. If we can get one against Louisville, lose to Virginia Tech, beat Boston College, and then beat the uh, round of 18 or round of 16 game in the tournament, then perfect. That gets us in. Um, and I know we're running a little short on time here, so I just kind of want to wrap up. Um, Bart, thanks for, for hanging with us here. Obviously, it's been quite some time since we have uh, – done one of these but we will try to be back next week after the louisville game as we kind of wrap this up if you guys have any questions comment below obviously this is going to get embedded into a blog or so to your article bar we got about probably 10 seconds you have any final words nope go deeks and uh blogger so dear.com thanks for reading that all right yeah we really appreciate all the hits we see you guys um and you know if you have any questions don't hesitate to ask us in the comments but as always go deeks and hope we get a big one next week Thanks.